As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the Welcome to Anything is Potable! Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam J.M. Packer, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic. And we have a special guest today, the host of The Daily Ding, the host of Nerder She Wrote from The Athletic, Dave Dufour, joining us to break down a further deeper dive into the Celtics game one win over the Brooklyn Nets. They won 115-114 on a Jason Tatum buzzer beater spinning layup at the end. I'm still I'm I'm watching the fourth quarter again as we speak. I'm still jazzed about that win. We heard about uh Jay's reaction to it last night. I guess Dave will we'll start with you first. What was your first reaction just to that crazy Celtics game and then that crazy end? Um, so I'm actually at a friend's house and they were, uh, feeding their one and a half year old kid. And I started yelling, holy shit. (laughs) So yeah, my initial reaction was to yell, holy shit in front of a child really, really loud on Easter Sunday. I mean, that was what a hell of a play, man. Uh, that, that the entire finish was so frantic and to be able to get something like that at the end of it was sort of the the perfect cherry on top of what was a pretty badass game. That game ruled. That game was crazy. I, I on press row, I was like, I I said out loud, oh my God. It was just one of those moments. Like you never see a playoff buzzer beater. Like Damian Lillard has had a couple. And especially you never see a buzzer beater like that where it's in transition. Jalen Brown could have taken a fadeaway. That would have been like a decent look. Marcus Smart had a three that, again, would have been a decent look. They both passed them up and and found Tatum, who wasn't even cutting to the hoop to score. He was cutting to the hoop for an offensive rebound because he, like everyone else, was 100% convinced Marcus Smart was going to shoot that ball. Um I just thought the composure in that moment for the Celtics was the perfect demonstration of how far they've come as a team. 
like they didn't have any timeouts over you know the last 45 seconds or whatever it was Jalen Brown gets a quick two they come back have basically a perfect possession of defense to force the ball out of Kyrie Irving hands and force Kevin Durant into a really really difficult shot Al Horford's double team on that possession was just awesome he was so intent on on forcing Kyrie Irving to to give up the ball and not, not get a difficult shot because Kyrie at that point was touching God and you know you you can't even let him get a shot and then they don't call timeout and just kind of keep their heads I just thought and it was after a fourth quarter when they didn't keep their heads like I, I thought they were really pressing for most of that fourth quarter it would have been a disaster for the Celtics if they had lost that game oh I agree with that for sure, because uh, now uh, here's what I'll say. Their offense was not great, but their defense yeah. was incredible. And, you know, I, Jason Tatum played some of the best individual defense I've ever seen on Kevin Durant ever. He blocked KD. Blocked jump KD shot. and Kyrie. Yeah. Now, Kyrie was getting past him, right? But that's what Kyrie does. Good luck. And especially when he's getting the whistle that he got in the game yesterday. Yeah, he's gonna get past Jason Tatum. That makes a lot of sense. But and I KD thought wasn't Tatum at that anybody. point was a little tired too. Like he played forty five oh, yeah. minutes, and and We're he had to handle Durant the whole time. And he had he scored thirty one points. Like obviously he's the focal point of the offense. Like I just thought by the end of that game he was running on fumes. He wasn't so tired that he couldn't hit that layup though. <laughs> he wasn't tired enough to not make that cut for that offensive rebound. I mean, and and KD, poor KD is going to be caught on film because he was worried about Jason Tatum up at the top of the key for the kick out three. He wasn't yeah. thinking about the back cut. And as you even said, it wasn't even a back cut. Everybody thought Marcus Smart was going to shoot that. As soon as he split Durant those guys, got I thought he was going to shoot paint dry. He got caught yep. watching the paint dry. I mean, that's basketball <laughs> right there. Like that, that play – is like basketball. The defense did basically all you could, except for Kevin Durant not sliding down into the lane. Well, I think the play is 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 particularly impressive if you think back of the other moments the Celtics had in transition, especially in that fourth quarter where Jalen Brown rushes a, a shot at the rim and like basically just multiple possessions of trying to challenge KD at the rim, who's a seven-footer. And on that possession, they showed much more poise uh, and were able to get a good shot. It feels like in the fourth quarter, the Celtics, their defense was still playing pretty well. Kyrie had um, was knocking down some ridiculous threes because, as as Jay mentioned, he was touching God. But the Celtics felt like they were a little rushed, a little frazzled. The, I think the Nets did a good job um, after playing some atrocious defense in the third quarter. The Nets did a good job of really uh, upping the ball pressure and really kind of forcing the Celtics uh, to pay, play faster, play a bit more rushed. And I thought that kind of translated to Celtics' attempts uh, in transition. But on that play, the poise just to make two extra passes there, um, I think that's just like what the Celtics need to do uh, moving forward. Because I, I really feel like the Nets, uh, I have not seen a Nets game this year, albeit I have not watched a, a lot of Nets game, but I haven't seen a Nets game where they play 48 minutes of defense. And I think they really took a... a their foot off the gas in the third quarter. And then they ramped it up in the fourth quarter where the Celtics didn't really know how to react and, and kind of led to more turnovers. But I think if they can kind of slow down 
and use their size advantage. I just I'm, I have rewatched the second half right now, and the Celtics just punished uh, all the smaller players on the Nets um, uh, in that third quarter, and it was able to kind of have them build out a much bigger lead. And it's just something that feels like they got away from in the fourth quarter. Uh, I feel like the 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 kind of easy analysis from to come out of this game is like, oh, the, the Celtics got lucky because Katie's never going to be uh, that bad again. But I feel like the Celtics have a lot of stuff they can improve upon um, and be that much better uh, heading into game two. Because if they just play with a little bit more composure, as they did on that final play of the game, it feels like they should be able to handle this Nets defense because they're just not, not uh, sound in, in what they do. And also, they were amazing on Durant. Like... He wasn't just 9 for 24 because he was off. He was 9 for 24 because they were locked in against him. Uh, I thought Tatum was was great individually in that matchup. They were super physical. There was that one possession when Grant Williams is bumping Durant, and then Jalen Brown switches onto him, and he's physical in the switch. And, and Durant, you know, can't catch the ball at the free throw line, and it's a turnover. Um, the, the thing... That I think Ime Odoko, one of the things Ime Odoko will really look at hard is what to do against Kyrie when Durant's sitting. Because that was when Kyrie really got going. It was when Durant was on the bench for three minutes at the beginning of the fourth quarter and Kyrie hit a couple of threes. And I don't think the Celtics defense was bad during that moment. Like, he was hitting tough shots. But at the same time... Like, he's surrounded by Bruce Brown and Goran Dragic and guys that, quite frankly, the Celtics are okay with having the ball. So I, I think there will be a, a heated discussion about whether to do more to force the ball out of Kyrie's hands during those moments or whether you just live with him hitting extremely difficult shots in Peyton Pritchard's face, you know, or Jalen Brown's face or whatever the case may be. Um, I, 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 I before rewatching those moments, like I thought the Celtics did a worse job on him than, than I did when going back and rewatching it. He just hit some really, really difficult stuff. And that's the thing with Kyrie, right? Like, man, people will say Kyrie cooked that guy, but it took him seven dribbles and a fadeaway to hit the shot. And it's at a certain point, you're just like, all right, man, Kyrie can just do that. But it's not the defense. It's Kyrie. And he hit that ridiculous three, and you just knew he was going to hit that one. That one in the corner, the broken play, hits it over Jason yeah. Tatum. He didn't cook anybody. He just hit a tough-ass shot. I mean, listen, I, I don't know how people grew up playing basketball, but it's like the guy has to do all this work to score. It's really – he's not cooking. But with Kyrie, he's the best bad shot maker in the league. Or not even bad shot, tough shot. He's a smaller guy. When he's got a guy like Tatum on him, he's got to take tough shots. and. He just happens to be able to make them. Can he do that six out of seven games? You know what I mean? And give them a chance to to win in this series? Because it's going to take him doing it, and then KD's got to have good games. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't think Al Horford was going to be able to guard KD on the perimeter. That's a game changer for me. Now, Horford's he, been he's doing been, that all year. And he's he looks been, gr- he's yeah. looked great all year long, but I did not expect – him to be able to have the defensive success that he had. Part of that is being able to be physical. But the other part was, I didn't feel like KD was getting past anybody yesterday. Nobody on the Celtics was caught flat-footed against KD one single time. Yeah, it, it was. It was. 
it was a weird game for their defense because I thought they did an incredible job on him, but they, they let some other guys get going. And I think part of that is just like you live with Goran Dragic doing some stuff. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like Claxton, the easy ones that he got around the hoop, you, you got to take those away. Um, but I feel like those came from like showing KD and Kyrie a lot of attention in the ball, just like swinging. Like there's like, it's not like they were posting up Claxton or going to Claxton. Claxton was just the benefit of the Celtics being in rotation. Yeah, but you still got to figure out a way to, to take away those, those easy ones that like those can be backbreakers. Uh, and then I, I just, I don't know, like the, the fourth quarter for the Celtics. And this, this is partly why I said it would have been a disaster if they'd lost that game. I just felt like all their demons were like starting to come back. Um, they really forced some stuff in that fourth quarter. They started rushing. They started pressing. You know, Kyrie goes on this crazy run, and the crowd is nuts, and Kyrie is flipping people off. And I don't think the Celtics always handled all of that well. And I, I think there's a, a a pressure of playing Durant and Irving that's unique to that team because – no matter what you do, they're going to hit in insanely tough shots. And and you know they're going to do that. And you know that in crunch time, like, you're probably not going to totally stop them. Like, you're going to have to exchange blows with them. And I, I do think there's a pressure that comes with that matchup. And I, I didn't think the Celtics always handled it well down the stretch until, like, the last couple minutes. And, and then they were much, much sharper with their execution. They were much, much better. Uh, I still think... I said this on our post game podcast, but Jalen Brown to me saved them. And, and it, it wasn't just the, the pass on the last possession. And the, there's a, there's been a lot of talk about the Celtics making the right decisions. I think it was the two guys who made the right decisions that have, that separated that play to me too. Like Jalen Brown has always been the guy on that team that is most likely to settle for a fadeaway jumper in that situation, maybe Tatum, uh, Marcus smart is certainly the guy most likely to launch a three in that situation. Uh, and they both gave him up. Um, uh, but before that Jalen, Jalen was, was really, really good down the stretch in moments when, when the rest of that team was faltering a little bit and he kind of gave them a chance. Let me ask you guys about Grant Williams. Uh, I actually thought this would be a, a a, a series where he's going to be useful, like just his size to kind of bully those guys around inside and, and allow the Celtics, if they really want to be small, a guy who, you you know, you trust to shoot, especially from the corners. I didn't think he looked great in this game. And I didn't think he looked great on defense. No, he's, he definitely struggled. Um, he, the minus 17 from Grant uh, in that game. And I know single game what, plus minus, minus what? indicative of it. 17 in 21 minutes. Oh, yeah. Okay. I didn't even realize it was that bad. Okay. Uh, but, like, he did not like – he did, a, I think, a, his – the biggest com- contribution he, I think he had to this game was just being very, very physical with Kevin Durant and taking whatever uh, stamina out of KD he could. But I agree with you. Um, I don't think he was great on defense. He was missed all of his uh, threes, which I think is, like – Pretty important for him to be out there on the on the court. I think the thing's very interesting to me is what lineup the Celtics close with. Um, 
because I feel like they have when they put Tice out there, they have such a size advantage that it really like I thought Al Horford getting some offensive boards and he had a huge play where he, he sealed off Kyrie Irving that led to a Jalen Brown dunk. I think like the size advantage the Celtics have on offense is um, super helpful for them. Uh, but then it's like some of the easy Kyrie buckets came when, um, you know, it was just like Tice not meeting the Kyrie at the at the screen and he just kind of walks into some easy threes. So we saw the Celtics go with Derek White, uh, who I don't didn't have didn't have the greatest decisions kind of like had a turnover. I think they certainly give up something uh, in terms of size there. And it's like that's the opportunity where you maybe would want a Grant Williams where a guy who could. Uh, in theory, provides you both a little bit of size and a little bit of shooting, and that just did not come through uh, in Game One. Jay, like, what do you think? Like the before Robert Williams potentially comes back, what do you think the go-to closing lineup is, and where, where do you think the Celtics' best foot forward is? I think it's got to be Derek White uh, next to the other f- four guys. Like it, it just it just makes sense to me because that that's your it's your switchiest lineup. Um, Grant Williams, like to me, what what he does best is versatility. He's at least pretty good at guarding all sorts of players. But like what when you get him against an elite shot maker, an elite shot maker with size, Kevin Durant, uh, an elite shot maker with you know quickness and handle, like like Kyrie. Like he's not the very best at defending in those situations, uh, so I, I think he can be helpful, especially as a shooter. Um, especially like like you said with the physicality on Durant, which will add up with the amount of minutes he's going to have to play in this series. But I just think that Derek White, um, with the extra dash of playmaking he gives you, with and and still like like Derek White is much bigger than the guys who he'll be guarding <laughs> and and you can still keep that that perimeter size advantage with him on the court and I, I i think the 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 nets went went small and the celtics didn't always handle themselves well against the smaller lineup with like Dragic and stuff um but i think i think going to white gives you a better chance there uh so so we'll see i i i don't know like there's a I just and think I also White thought, gives gives the Nets a place to hide a guy because he's he's a hesitant yeah. shooter, right? So if he's not on the ball, you can hide out on him defensively. And this is why I thought it was such an important series for Grant Williams. And, you know, I think about P.J. Tucker and the way he guards Kevin Durant. I wonder, you know, if Grant could give him a little bit of that, you know, extra physicality. Maybe just go in there and say, hey, I'm going to try to foul out. Make the refs foul you out. That's kind of what the Celtics did in the first quarter. Yeah, Yeah, they did in the first quarter. Well, yes, I guess you can't do that against Kevin Durant and Kyrie because they're going to get those whistles. And that's the thing. And then once they get in the bonus, they're they're like 90% free throw shooters apiece. So they're going to knock them down. Uh, They were in the bonus like five minutes into the first two quarters. Yeah, they they were in the – they spent a significant portion of that game. I guess both teams did. Yeah. it was it was an ex, a really really physical game. Like the, you could tell the Celtics were they're always physical, but they went into that KD matchup like we are going to really bump this dude at every opportunity. We are going to make everything as difficult as possible for for this man in particular. Uh, 
I assume they watched that Buck series from last year, and they and they watched just how much they were touching KD and how much they were trying to bother him, especially on the perimeter and around the elbow where he likes to get you know his little pet shots. He hit yeah, one last night. He hit one. He hit one like it was like a little ten footer on the baseline, and I think he didn't realize that there was nobody standing next to him when he got the ball. It was like off an offensive rebound, but it was the first time he hadn't been touched with the ball. Like he just caught it and went up. Yeah, and they they were chipping him like off. They like treating him like a, a running back coming out of the backfield. It looked like, like Steph Curry. Like anytime he, yeah, anytime he crossed the lane, it felt like he was getting bumped by the first guy and bumped by the second guy when he got to his spot. I feel like the defensive strategy it should kind of remain the same. Like you, Kyrie made some absolutely insane shots, and uh, like I think you got to limit the ones where he's just able to step into a wide open three. But if you get beat with Kyrie just making absurd step back threes, you get beat with Kyrie making stir absurd step back threes. Like because Kevin Durant never really got in a rhythm, and as good as Kyrie is, as insane as he is, uh, just in terms of tough shot making, I would much rather Kyrie be in a rhythm than like Kevin Durant because I just think once Kevin Durant gets going, he's pretty much unstoppable. I think Kyrie. I don't know how much of this was. Um, the fans uh, saying mean things to him and how much he wanted to uh, uh, flip off the finger, both uh, literally and metaphorically. But on that last possession, he had some open passes, but it felt like Kyrie was really looking to get that shot and kind of what, uh, what led to um, that broken uh, possession where he just kind of passed the ball to KD for that bailout at the end. But uh, I think you just, you continue just to beat the shit out of KD and just hope that, uh, and maybe tighten some things up on, on Kyrie. But I don't know if the defensive game plan is going to change that much for the Celtics. Well, do you think that guys, um, they should consider maybe like matching Marcus Smart's minutes to Kyrie and just that this is your, this is your task. This is your job. I mean, I know that the way that they defend is not going to be one guy on the ball all the time, but I mean, that's an option. If Kyrie starts to get going, maybe you throw Marcus Smart on him and, and try to pound him a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely an option. I, I just think the way they're going to switch. Um, and and I, I think part of their advantage in this series is that they can switch as much as they do and, and that their individual defenders, like – can spend some time on the lesser guys too and get like a tiny bit of a breather, you know, like, like Kevin Durant, there is no option for him. He has to guard Jason Tatum or else it's like Claxton is like the only other option with reasonable size and athleticism to do that. Um, like Kyrie, because of the other defenders on their team is going to be stressed out in a way that you would much rather not stress out Kyrie Irving defensively. And and I think there's something to the fact for the Celtics that their best players don't have to take that that matchup every single possession. Um, I'm looking at the lineup stats now, and I think Marcus only let up like three points against Kyrie, and he only played 36 minutes. So I think I wouldn't be surprised if Marcus is much closer to 40. Uh, 42 minutes in that game. And she, yeah, I, like there's no reason for, he should basically just uh, shadow Kyrie Irving and have Tatum shadow Durant's minutes 
Although it's going to be, I don't know if necessarily I, I said that and then immediately said, uh, maybe that's not the best case after you get absolutely bludgeoned in the non-Durant minutes, which is something the Nets have been losing all year. But I wouldn't be shocked to see uh, just more Marcus Smart out there, uh, especially just to make sure Kyrie doesn't go off in those when Katie's on the bench. Yeah. And the, like you said, the, the, the Tice minutes against Kyrie in that first half were kind of where things went wrong. It was just in transition, like just an easy ball screen and Kyrie was just pulling up and Kyrie, he doesn't always shoot a ton of threes. So I thought his choice to take 10 threes and be as aggressive as he was hunting that shot was, was really important. And it, it's, it's stressed out the Celtics defense. Um, cause, cause you don't always like, especially compared to the guys in his skill bracket, like the Steph Curry's, the Damian Lillard, like Kyrie lives far more in the mid range. Uh, so I don't know whether that was a decision by their coaching staff, a decision by Kyrie, but but his willingness to hunt out three pointers, like that put a lot of burden on the Celtics defense to be really sharp at, at the at the ball screen. I I am looking at the the lineup stats right now. Um Celtics starters were plus 11 in 14 minutes. The Celtics' second most used lineup was with the Derek White with the f- four best guys. They went 16 for 24 from the field. <laughs> Sheesh. That is, that is insane. So, we, you know, we, we can talk about how they have a, a place for somebody to hide on Derek White, but that that group was able to produce really good opportunities um so so really it was the Peyton Pritchard Grant Williams minutes where them it seems like it made the the big impact there they yeah pretty crushed. much and it kind of went the other way like I thought the Celtics depth would be good for them in this series but the the Nets kind of won that you know like Dragic was really good for them Claxton off the bench Drummond got four fouls he was bad he 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 provided no help Claxton off the bench was really good for them uh so I, I thought the Celtics' depth would be like a big win for them, but it, it kind of went the other way in game one. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Fellas, I got I to gotta jump off to do the uh, the live YouTube shows, but um, Dave, appreciate you uh, hopping on, uh, and hopefully we'll talk soon as the playoffs go on. Yeah, I, you know, it's been a minute since I've been here uh, on the show. I, I, Jay's been ducking me. I guess <laughs> I have not Jay's been a, ducking you, Dave. You, Jay, is a, you, Jay is a coward, and I said that as I, mean, I leave. Listen, you the abandoned. Celtics start playing good basketball, and all of a sudden, Jay King doesn't uh, text me to come on the show. He's not like 
asking will, me, hey, what, who should I put Alex Caruso on my All NBA defensive ballot? Like, come on, man. <laughs> you abandoned. I don't. I don't have a ballot. First of all, you, but you abandoned. Oh, then, okay, all right. Listen, the NBA is doing one thing right. You abandoned the Buds podcast. Hey, listen, Jade said it was too much Dave. You I was ab- all over the place. I'm on too many shows, man. You are all over the place. <laughs> uh, d- let, let's take some questions. Uh, if yeah, you have a few it. more minutes, Dave. Yeah, we'll man, start I got off. Time. With, we'll start off with Josh B, the legendary Josh B, who I'm sure has some some hot takes of, about wanna, game one. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm going to give you guys a take you're not going to hear anywhere else. Um, and I'm I sure really will. want I no this thought. one. This one's going to be very happy. You guys are going to be very happy with this. So. About three weeks ago, Jay King um, said, you know, the reason we let you on is because we think that we're keeping you alive, you know, that you have all this energy and you might have a heart problem if we don't let you on. And, you know, I thought to myself, wow, that, that's really good. You know, maybe I do have a heart problem. Maybe I do need to talk to someone. And then the next week, I was instituted with rules saying, you know, only 10 minutes because we don't want you to dominate the show and we don't want you the, to the Josh talk B. to rules so hard and i thought to myself you know what if my heart surgeon said that to me and you know i was in the middle of it and i was like man only 10 minutes to see me and then last week i was feeling bad you guys hadn't asked anybody to talk and i started listening to the slam and jam i had you know i i was feeling horrible and i i heard andrew schlecht um asking really tough questions to Sam um, on there, because Sam was representing Boston. He was saying, no, aren't you worried about KD? Aren't you worried about Kyrie? And Sam was entering, was asking those, was answering those questions truthfully and honestly, and then said, they said, well, what is your prediction for this? And Sam said, Celtics in five, right? And said it with confidence and said it with authority. So now fast forward to yesterday, which said it with his chest. So now fast forward to yesterday, we're in the final minute. The Nets have a three, I, it was either three or five points. I forget what they were at the final minute. But we have one guy bleeding from his nose. Um, our poor Celtics defense, we should have we should have held um, hold Kyrie's hands down so that he couldn't flip off the crowd. That's our fault. We, we'll do better on defense next time. And what's the difference between Jason Tatum making a layup with no time left on the clock so that Katie and Kyrie can't answer? The difference is that little belief in the fans. That's little belief by the fans. And you heard it. You heard it literally right after. And where does that belief come from? It comes from people like Sam Packard going on national podcasts and proclaiming, yeah, the Celtics are going so, to beat the Nets. So you're giving Packard credit for – Is he getting the game ball? Giving, yeah, giving I, Celtics I, fans belief here? Yeah, so you, you're I saying Packard is the reason that TD Garden went as insane as it did yesterday? Yeah, I, I think that the fans listen to these podcasts where we have these level-headed, reasonable, intelligent writers, and you get presented with all of the information in a logical way, and then we are constantly defaulted <laughs> to, well, yeah, KD and Kyrie are superstars, and just go with them in the last minute. So you need people like Sam Packard who go on a podcast and defiantly say Celtics in five, say it with their chest and convince the masses to get as excited and explode as loudly as they did in that last second layup. It's, yeah. it's all about Packard. It's all about it's Packard. All about, it's all about the enthusiasm. So I, I do have the Celtics owe that man some money. They might. If they this might. is the case. Jam, I mean, Jam I, you need some money from the Celtics. 
<laughs> we we got to give Packard Packard his due. You know, it it was all Packard. You know, he he was probably the reason why Smart passed that up. He called it. Smart, he called out Smart the pass heard to, Packard to Smart. He said, "Look for Tatum. Find podcast. Tatum. He's open." And and said, "You know what? Let's let's find Tatum." Um, we've got some other callers. No, Avery, actually, I know what he said. One more. A- one more. One more. <laughs> Avery, Avery, what you got for us? Oh, Avery, you got to have headphones, man. Headphones, man. Avery, where are you? Outside? Rookie oh. move. Rookie move. He 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 had us doing a little loop back, man. Mark, Mark, what you got for us? Hey, how's it going? Hey, um, so I just want to ask you guys about what you've seen in uh, JT and JB's, like their evolution, how they're scoring. Because kind of going back – Going back Michael to that, like, Scotty Pippen, yeah, maybe <laughs> not there yet, but but just the way they're attacking the basket now, like going back to that Heat game at the end of March, I felt like they're putting up some more difficult jump shots, not staying as much within, just attack the basket, get to the line, get the easier try for the easier buckets. But even even last season with Brad Stevens in the playoffs. Um, you know, putting up more difficult shots. I, I just thought since since that heat game, I kind of seen a turning point in the offense where they they've just been attacking a lot more. And you know, the last minute of this game kind of shows JB going in down three to make it a one point game, and then Tatum getting the clutch finish at the end there. I mean, one of the things that stood out to me during this game was just how aggressive Jalen Brown was in, like, semi-transition. They would hit him with that outlet, and he would catch. He caught Goron a couple times. He blew the one layup. But I really loved that aggressiveness from him, sort of saying, I can turn the corner on anybody and just attacking the basket and putting pressure on on Brooklyn. I mean, that's the way – that's easy money for Boston is to attack Brooklyn in transition, just – Go after them because they're yeah, not very I, good. They're not very good defensively anyway, but they're not very good in transition at all. Yeah, and I think, like, 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 I think it was Mark. Was that his name? Like, like he was saying, the biggest evolution for them has just been letting, not letting teams off the hook anymore. They they used to settle for, you know, step back fadeaway jumpers, and and Tatum is really good at that, and Jalen can be really good at that. But it doesn't put as much pressure on the defense. It doesn't break down a defense. It doesn't lead to better shots for their teammates. And they've they've kind of understood that. If you look at the the numbers of shots from the mid-range for Tatum, for Jalen Brown, they've drastically diminished over the last few months. And that's been a change that has been a long time coming. It's a change that took years for the Celtics coaching staff to implement and took now a second coaching staff to try implementing that, but it, it makes a lot of difference in the big moments. Um, and I, I just thought, yeah, Jalen, Jalen was getting downhill when it mattered most. And, and that's, that's kind of where the Celtics have, have shown a lot of one, one of the places the Celtics have shown a lot of growth. We got Nicholas coming on. What, what you got for us, Nick? How's it going, fellas? Uh Two things, really. I just want to say, first off, that I think the maturation of Jalen Brown really came through yesterday. I think 
he started off the game really clearly like him and Marcus both just moving way too fast. I mean, playing excellent defense, ton of energy, but on the offensive side, just, you know, you saw Marcus with a couple early turnovers. I thought Jalen was rushing shots early and, and the way that he sort of settled into the game in the fourth quarter and really provided us a little stability when uh, our offense wasn't working, you know, we, we went stagnant and, um, and I thought, just the way that Jalen sort of it it sort of reminded me of Chris Middleton for uh for the Bucks last year. He sort of turned that uh corner and uh seeing Jalen turn that corner yesterday, I think, you know, it really it really brought things home. That's that's my first point. And and secondly, I think the last possession of the game was sort of or really the the fourth quarter for the Celtics was kind of a microcosm of the entire season where you finally saw them have a good team possession on the last possession of the game that resulted in a really easy bucket. And, you know, moving forward, I think, you know, attack the guards, attack Gordon Dragic every time he's in the game, attack Patty Mills every time he's in the game. Make sure that we're moving laterally, not just trying to get downhill. Make sure that the guards are setting screens on guards, not just the bigs, um, because their guards don't want to fight through screens and their guards don't want to switch on to new guys. Um, That's pretty much all I have for you guys. Yeah, I, I think that's that's going to be one of the biggest battles in this series is how well the Nets are able to hide their guards, all the small guards they play, and how well the Celtics are able to attack that. Uh, but before before we leave, we got to talk about just the whole Kyrie experience, Dave. Um, because <laughs> I mean, he, wait, no, he has on. gone full. Hold villain. on, before he you has get gone into full the villain. stuff with the crowd, before you get into the stuff with the crowd, can we talk about the basketball part of it? Because oh, yeah. he was he was absolutely scorching hot in the second yes. half of this game. I oh, mean, yeah. he was that was the that's the Kyrie experience that I love, man. He's one of my favorite basketball players to just watch play. Aesthetically, it is extremely pleasing. He hits tough shots all the time, right? He does crazy stuff at the basket. He had a what was that pass he threw? Never seen anything like it in my life. Yeah, that pass was ridiculous. Yeah, bro. Into the corner, like uh, the angle he threw it on. Yeah, the guy is just incredibly creative. He's an artist. Now, the stuff with the crowd, I just don't really care about. (laughs) Because who hasn't flipped off 20,000 people before? Uh, uh, I'm I'm a a big fan of the middle finger salute. I got no problem with it. In most situations. Uh, If he gets fined, it's, it's weak. Cause that was tame, bro. The, the best one was the one behind his head. Like now, that was <laughs> that was eighth grade basketball. You know what I mean? We used to do Not that. Even eighth we used to grade. do stuff like that, man. Like we would we would stand there with our hands behind our back doing it, right? Like if we were in front of the other <laughs> bench, because you're trying to egg people on, right? Like you're hoping somebody does something. Give me a free point or two. But yeah, listen, I I don't know. Number one, he shouldn't be fined. Number two, as long as the fans don't cross the line, man, that's fine. You know what I mean? There's yeah, obviously as, a lot of as history long as there. It's, as long as it's basketball, like yeah, if it's even if it's Kyrie, you suck, or even if it's fucking and he, Kyrie, if he gives you like, the finger cool. for that, hey man, that's fine. You should be like, oh man, I got Kyrie to give me the finger. You won. All, fair, all is fair. You in won love and playoffs, man. Yeah. So I thought it was totally fine. I mean, listen, man, it's it's basketball. It's a shit talking sport. If he can't yeah. talk back. As long, again, as long as it's who cares about the 
fucking finger. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, man. Like, I'm not clutching pearls over that. We, we've seen worse. We've heard worse. Hell, I, I was actually I, just- societally is everything is way worse than that. Please, for the love of God, give more fingers. It's way better than I just, the alternative. I just love that he was so open about it, you know? Yeah. Like, he's there in the middle of the court flipping people off. He's doing the crybaby sign. <laughs> he, he, he's getting caught on camera telling a guy to S his D. Um, it was he, – he has embraced the villain role in a way that I don't think he always has. And – and it 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 ratcheted up the intensity in that building. Like this is not a normal two seven series in for no. a lot of reasons, um, but one of them is the history between Kyrie and Boston. I think the way he got going offensively, like when you hear other players talk about Kyrie, they talk about him like they put him often a lot higher than I think non players do. And you you listen to Andre Iguodala, he tries. He says Kyrie is like one of the 20 or 30 best players ever, whatever he said. I think LeBron went on Twitter yesterday. Like, it's a damn shame he's not in the top 75. And if you look at like what he did yesterday, that's why players hold him in the highest regard because he can take the best defense and it doesn't matter when Kyrie gets going. Like it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter who you have on him. Unless you defend well enough to force the ball out of his hands, like, he he has an answer for everything, and and in a lot of games, like he that can cause him to go six for nineteen or <laughs> six for eighteen, or because the diet of shots is very difficult. But when he has it going, there's no defense that can touch him. And Durant is kind of similar in, in that regard, and that that's what makes this this Nets team so so such a challenge to guard. Because you can be perfect, and sometimes it doesn't matter. And so I, I just – he was incredible. Um, and I, I I expected, you know, Kyrie would go 9 for 24 before KD did. Uh, but the, the, I think the Celtics have to do, do more to force Kyrie into uncomfortable stuff early so that he doesn't get going the way that he did. Because, um, man, holy shit. He was just spectacular. I I mean, that was one of the best shot-making performances I've seen. Just the level of difficulty on a lot of the looks was just, wow. Yeah, that guy's nuts, man. I, he's he's a little alien. <laughs> just, <laughs> some of the stuff that he does is just crazy. Um, you know, when people talk about basketball skill, I think that Kyrie is kind of the, the tentpole for that, right? Like, that's the guy that they think about. Like, and I just mean in casual conversation, you say skilled basketball player, you think of a guy that can do the stuff that he does, you know, and it's it's just, I don't know, he's kind of a perfect player to a certain degree. If he was a better athlete, he would be the best player of all time because the skills are there. He just, he's not that next level sort of guy that, you know, is going to be able to play over your head and also get around you and, and all this stuff. So. You know, so much of his offense is just difficult to get to. So when he's cooking like that, man, it's just beautiful. It's so beautiful. It really so that's is. That's the Kyrie Tom. stuff I care about. Forget the crowd. The crowd, look, the crowd did their job. And Kyrie responded. Everything is good. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed Internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, sir. Tom, you got our last question of the day. Make it a good one, baby. Well, I'll try. My question is for you guys. So we've got quite a bit of a break now. We play next on Wednesday, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, Wednesday night. Uh, my question is, who do you think that benefits some people say it'll benefit the nets some people say oh it won't do because they'll have to chew on that uh, chew on that defeat who, who do you think benefits from such the long break obviously bear in mind some people might say uh, the celtics uh, from the momentum from uh, from last night will want to go away straight away what what would you say to that first of all i love the accent i i wish i had it where are you from <laughs> british <laughs> uh, i'm from uh, i'm from uh, england mate I'm from well, what part? I, I what would part? be so much cooler. Uh, yeah, 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 you guys are not going to have a clue. Uh, the closest place I'd say I live to, I live about uh, an hour and a half away from Manchester. I'm okay. from a small town with about 10,000 people. Which direction? Um, are you up in the lake area? Uh, are you further north? Of course, they No, I'd say I'm further east. Okay, okay. So I'm near I mean, Sheffield, I've, if you've ever heard that. I'm closest sure, to Sheffield. Yeah, I've spent a lot of time. Uh, I've spent a lot of time in uh, in all over the UK on a motorcycle. So I know a lot of little towns. <laughs> Sorry in advance for that. No, it's beautiful. Well, I'll tell you, uh, camping in Wales. Um, oh, not oh, fun. oh off, that, that, we'll need another podcast coast. on that after another time. Yeah, uh, well, it was the only way I could catch the ferry over uh, to uh, what is it? Is it Waterford or Wexford? Is that where the ferry goes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know what you're talking okay. about. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry to sidetrack. It's, it's one of them. When so I who, come to, uh, when I come the I've, I've come to Boston <laughs> a few times, obviously for games and stuff. And I think it's a, uh, I think it's I think it's one of them where uh, some people go uh, come to England if they're uh, American and go, I'd love to stay here. And I think us, us Brits go over there and think, well, this is a different world. I've I've gone for. I've come for many games, you know what I mean, like quick trips and stuff like that, and I've gone, this mm -hmm. place is a different world. Like, this is bonkers. Like, you know I mean, I live in a town <laughs> with 10,000 people. Like, the most, you know what I mean, the most action I see is the old taxi past 10 o'clock, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah the, the, well, this, this is a different world. Don't forget, 
a lot of uh, uh, cheap traffic up there. So plenty of that clogging the roads. That was always uh, <laughs> one of my favorite things was laying on my horn, trying to get through the sheep. And then I got yelled at for it. So yeah, you get learn, funny enough. Learn. Funny enough, when you learn <laughs> to drive in England, you, that you do get a test on on sheep, and that is actually true fact. Uh, that they actually on your theory test, it does actually say what should you do if you uh, see a flock of sheep, and believe it or not, uh, yours is the wrong answer. You meant to turn your yeah, engine the off. Sheep had the right away. This, this is away. this is the right podcast to come to if you want a discussion of sheep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, guys, I have a lovely rest of your day, and uh, hopefully we can uh, be 2 0 next time we speak on Thursday. There, there you thank, go. Thank um, you for the call, I, Tom. You know, Jay, I, I don't know if it's epigenetics or what, but I have had a lot of dreams of being a, a, a sheep farmer, I guess a shepherd. In England, for some reason, I don't know. I love England and Scotland, so I spent a lot of see, I spent a lot of time people, there. Yeah, some people are sheep. I'm a wolf, you know. Well, I mean, I, I'm protecting the sheep, though. You see, <laughs> but, so I'll fuck a anyway, wolf up. <laughs> back to his question about the so rest. who's going to benefit uh, from the rest? I'm going to say I'm going to benefit from the rest. Um, no, uh, th- listen, this is a I, rare I think, series where I think both teams do. I was going to say it's the because playoffs. everybody's benefiting from the rest. But but sometimes like like the Dallas series, Dallas wants more rest because Luca could come back. This Same, series, yeah. Robert Williams and Ben Simmons are both progressing towards a return at some point. We don't know when. Um, so these three, the couple days off in between game one and two, and then the couple games off between game two and three, that provides more time for those guys to potentially come back at some point in the series. Um, and then the stars. Tatum just played 45 minutes. Kevin Durant is going to shoulder an enormous load whenever he's on the court. Al Horford is 35 years old. <laughs> he played, I think it was 41 or 42 minutes. He he could use those two days of rest. So I, I just think kind of everyone in this series will benefit. And I think um, it's not a series where it's like a lopsided thing where one team benefits more. No, no. Um, Everybody, everybody needs the rest in this one, especially after that game one, which was crazy. Yeah, I mean, and I think if you're if you're Boston, you're hoping that, you know, your fresher legs are going to allow you to. Frankly, give Brooklyn a little bit more of a hard time shooting the ball, like recovering to some of these shooters a little bit more, staying in front of Kyrie. I don't know, man. Brooklyn really shot the ball really well. And Boston. I don't know, man. I feel like they could have they could have scored a little bit easier, if that makes sense. Like it didn't seem like they were getting a ton of easy looks. And I think Boston can do better in the next game. And so the time off, as much as rest is going to be important in the series, I actually just think going to the film is going to help them. Brooklyn is not a good defensive team. They, they I mean, Boston should have won this game running away. And I, th- I think going and, and looking at the film over the next couple of days will be huge for Boston. I actually expect Boston to win game two. And, and I think that it's going to feel like a real win. Like yeah. 10 points. Yeah, I, I think, I, I mean, the the scary part for Boston is as, as much as you can point to and say the Celtics should be able to take advantage of their size, the Celtics should be able to take advantage of Brooklyn's defense the Celtics should be able to do this or that at the end of the day, Durant and Kyrie 
are still terrifying. And no matter what adjustments you make, no matter what defenses defenses you dial up, those guys are still terrifying. And so that's that's the the challenge in this series. That's that's what will keep Ime Odoka up at night. Um, and on another note, you're you are probably the most intriguing person in the podcast sphere. <laughs> <laughs> I swear you bring bring up details of your life that are just fake. Like you just you just have made up a fictional life. Um, uh, I just say yes just, to shit, man. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was in. I spent a lot of time around England on my motorcycle. Like, who are you, man? Um, listen, man. I uh, I say yes to shit. Like, the only reason I do this job, man, is because I say yes to stuff. I made I made a decision between. <laughs> this is the most ridiculous decision of all time, but it was uh, take a job coaching a small time basketball team in Germany, or go into an international law program at at a university in the Netherlands. And I was like, Oh, let me do this basketball thing. Idiot. And then, you know, <laughs> now I'm doing a podcast with Jay King, the illustrious Jay King, the kid. <laughs> and it's only because I say yes to stuff, man. I like to try stuff. I'm not scared to fail. I am scared to die on a motorcycle, but riding in England is actually relatively safe. So <laughs> it's a fun time. Uh, l- last question. Who has more pressure to to win game two the the nets after get really like just a heartbreaker in game one or or the celtics who if 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 it goes to one one heading back to brooklyn like all of a sudden there is there is a ton of weight on their shoulders entering game three and four of that series with maybe Ben Simmons coming back at, at some point in Brooklyn or soon thereafter. Although Ben Simmons, I, I got to say this before the game yesterday, he was like, you know how guys go out and go through their, their shooting workouts before a game. Yeah. And, and they work with an assistant coach usually who's like feeding them. And, and a lot of the time, like, like feigning, game actions so like the coach will pretend to run a pick and roll and like throw a pass to a guy so that he's actually working on shots that he'll be taking in a game ben simmons was the assistant coach yesterday for patty mills (laughs) he was was running running the pick and rolls and like moving at a very slow speed and and so i i don't know how to take that i don't know whether it was gamesmanship the nets are just trotting him out there and and not putting him through a workout for himself, but having him help out Patty Mills, fellow Australian. Uh, it was Well, they're not working he, him out in front of the cameras, man. He certainly did not look like a guy ready to play in a week, but he did he wasn't doing anything. And I think that's intentional by them. They have been as cagey as possible about that guy's status. Um how much he's how much he's doing, how 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 ready he is. Um so I I think there's a lot of gamesmanship going on with with him. He was out there. I, just, it, it was, I don't know. It was, man. I've Listen. never seen a player do that before. Where Your secret weapon hasn't played all year. I just can't be all that worried about it. And also, I don't think he's added a jumper or anything. So, you know, what are they going to do? Who are they going to play him with? I, I, I It's not that he's a bad player because I actually really think Ben Simmons is great. But your first game can't be almost in May. 
I'm sorry, man. Like, this is the NBA. These guys are professional athletes. And from pride alone, they're going to go at you harder because you just sat out all year. I don't know, man. I just don't expect much, if anything, out of him. But I think the Nets can they can beat Boston without him. And they might and be better off without him right now just because trying to add that guy this late in the game is a mistake for a team that's had continuity issues all year. So I think if you're if you're Brooklyn, you shouldn't even be thinking about it. that's a break glass if we're down 20 just to see if he can run. I don't yeah. I don't know if you're doing anything like, all right, game six and must win. Now's the time to deploy Ben Simmons. No, man. That seems awful. So I look, I, the pressure is on obviously both teams, but I do think Boston a little bit, there should be more. They're the better team. They should win this series. They should win it in six and maybe five. So I think that if you're Boston, you should feel pressure to go up 2-0 going back to Brooklyn. So, yeah, I think the pressure is on Boston. Kevin Durant has a ring, man. Kyrie doesn't care. He'll just burn some sage and all the bad vibes from this season's over. For, but for Boston, <laughs> they want to win. And I think the pressure is on to win. They they should be trying to win this series in four or five games. Give themselves a break because I'll tell you what, man, Milwaukee is a real basketball team and they're going to bring it hard. Yeah, and I think that was that was one lesson the Celtics should take away from game one. Like, you cannot let up for a second. You cannot let up when you have a 15-point lead. You cannot let up when Kevin Durant hits the bench. You cannot let up against a Nets team that has no problems scoring even against great defense. Like they need to keep executing, they need to to keep the the pressure on Kyrie, they need to like really be at a high level throughout the game because if you let those guys come back in once that faucet is on, it, it is it is that water is coming down hard. <laughs> like that that is some fierce water pressure from that faucet. Uh but yeah, back to the. It's, it's actually it's like that uh, when they did the what was it the the water bucket challenge and someone did it from a backhoe and it knocked him out. That's kind of how it is. <laughs> exactly. Back back to the Simmons thing. That that's one more reason why I think it would just be really tough to drop him in this series. Game one, the caliber of basketball in game one was just at such a high level, and like if you're even remotely not a hundred percent. If you're even remotely still dealing with back stuff, if you're even remotely rusty, like you're going to be a target in this series. Um, though that was just high level basketball in game one, I thought for for both teams. It, this is a crazy, crazy two seven matchup. Dave, thank you for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, I kept you for a long time, so thank you. And I've missed. That's you, right. Man. I send the bill to you, or do I send the bill to Sam? I think uh, send the bill to Jade. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, well, I missed you, man. Like, I know I haven't been able we, to podcast we were, uh, with you for a while. For the audience, we were. I was literally texting Jay. I was like, I miss you, man. I can't wait to talk to you. And I thought we were going to do a video thing. I was going to get to see him. Now I'm going to have to Facetime Jay King. Yeah, no, you don't want you don't want to see this mug. You're <laughs> you're you're lucky. But thanks, man. Uh, enjoy your motorcycle rides and your sheep and whatever whatever the hell you do. I'm in, in Florida, man. I'm hanging. Rides. I'm hanging. Uh, all right. I will uh, all right. catch you later. Thank you, listeners. We appreciate you guys. And uh, 
I have no quips like like Sam would do, so anything is potable. Just know that. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.